So if yoga is a part of your life, pre-baby, then baby comes, yoga should still be a part of your life, post-baby, when baby's out. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Dharma Talk. This is episode number 22, and I'm your host, Henry Winslow. Now, before we uh, introduce the guest, I just want to say thank you to another yoga mama out there, Fanny Davis, who recently made a donation to Dharma Talk to support the podcast. Fanny, thank you so much for your contribution. Every little bit counts. I don't have sponsors, so I'm paying for this project out of pocket. So if you would like to make a donation to support Dharma Talk, you can do that at henrywins.com. Thanks again, Fanny. Now, my guest this week is Jamie Rissman. And Jamie is the owner of a hot yoga, hot Pilates, hot bar studio down in Evanston, Illinois, just outside of Chicago. But more than that, what she's become known for is being an expert in adapting the Bikram yoga sequence, the 26 and 2 Hatha yoga sequence for pregnant women. And she learned this um, through formal training, but first and foremost through personal experience. She was a dedicated practitioner and ended up being pregnant with twins and didn't want to give up the practice. Now, I met Jamie. At this point, she's got four children and has been through this process several times, both with herself and, and with other students. And when I met her and, and spoke to her about this at the USA Yoga Federation event a few weeks ago, I could tell that she was just dripping with enthusiasm about sharing the power of, of this practice and, and that for women who have developed an attachment or um, relationship to their yoga practice and then become pregnant, that they don't have to give it up. And I wanted to share that with my listeners here. And this is something that's never going to touch me in quite a, as personal a way as it has with Jamie. But I know that there are listeners out there who are either pregnant now or planning to become pregnant at some point in the future who can really benefit from hearing this story from someone who's gone through it. So we really get into the details here. Jamie talks about how to work with a trusted physician who can support you in your goals and your decisions while you still trust yourself and stand your ground. We talk about how she ended up teaching a group of 10 pregnant women in one studio before she had any formal pregnancy yoga training and what she gained from sharing in their unique experiences of being pregnant. Then we talk a little bit about practical tips for those of you who may be pregnant soon such as why sitting out of the first trimester of your pregnancy can actually make keeping up a yoga practice throughout the rest of the pregnancy much more difficult. And I won't spoil the surprise, but Jamie shares her number one piece of advice for women with a dedicated practice who've just become pregnant or intend to become pregnant in the near future. So stick around through these announcements and we'll dive right into the interview. Dharma Talk super fans. I know some of you have been asking about this and waiting for it, so I'm excited to announce that our Dharma Talk shop is now live. And this shop is in partnership with We Are Yoga. Check back to episode number three for my interview with the founder, Will Jones. They're doing all kinds of fun stuff, not just with products, but with events and retreats and all that good stuff. So, 
go check out the store. We've got t-shirts, hats. Um, by the time you're listening to this, there may be some leggings up there as well. And you can get 10% off your order with code Henry Way. That's not just on the Dharma Talk stuff. That's on the entire We Are Yoga website. You can get there through henrywins.com slash way, W-A-Y, or you can navigate through weareyoga.com. If you're looking to rapidly advance your yoga practice in a short amount of time or your understanding of the subtler practices of yoga, consider applying to the Labor Day Immersion at Lighthouse Yoga School. Jared McCann, Aviad Sasi, and I will be leading this 30-hour, four-day intensive yoga study to help you advance your asana practice to be sure. Lots of classes and focused posture clinics. But more importantly, there will be a group sadhana every morning. And it's our goal that you'll be able to walk away with a spiritual practice that supports you for the rest of your life. So get the details on that and sign up at henrywins.com slash events. What's your purpose? What's your vision? What mark will you leave on this planet long after you're gone? I'm Henry Winslow, and you're listening to Dharma Talk, the only podcast where I interview inspirational yogis on how they're changing the world in their own unique ways. Whether you're still searching for your purpose or already walking the path, I hope these stories get you excited to live your dharma. Hello, Dharma Talk community, and welcome back for another episode. Today, I've got on the line Jamie Rissman. Jamie is a yogi and a mother who has practiced consistently through all three of her pregnancies and the births of her four healthy children. After experiencing the positive effects of practicing pregnancy yoga herself, Jamie attended the Rajashree Pregnancy Guide at the Kripalu Institute in 2010 where she learned to skillfully integrate safe prenatal yoga postures and their prescribed modifications into the regular Bikram yoga sequence. Now she inspires other women to continue their practice and meet the physical, mental, and emotional demands of pregnancy, birth, and motherhood. Jamie, welcome to the show. How are you today? Hi, thank you so much for having me and I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you. Yeah, you, you bet. I'm so excited to have you on. Um, this is a topic that I know next to nothing about, and I'm sure there are many listeners of this podcast who either have been pregnant or intend to become pregnant at some point in the future. So I'm excited to dive into all this knowledge that you have to share. Great. I'm excited to share. Cool. Cool. All right. Well, I always start with the same first question with all my guests, and today will be no different. That question is this. What does the word dharma mean to you, and what is your dharma as you understand it today? Um, gosh, I feel like our dharma, um, just like anything in my life, I have to revisit um, on a periodic basis, whether it's every three weeks or every three months or every three years. But currently, um, I feel like my dharma is um, a little bit more clear to me now. Um, than it ever has been in that my, um, my balance in life is super important. Um, being a mother, being a wife, being a yoga school owner, um, being a yogi. And when I'm not pregnant, which I'm done with that, um, <laughs> being a competitive, uh, yogi. So, you know, many different hats that I wear, um, I love that Seinfeld quote, or you know, master jack of all, tra- <laughs> master of none, jack of all trades. You know, one uh-huh. of those kind of hats that I wear. 
but um, I have always found consistency and discipline to be my path um, in addition to balance. So uh, balance of, of both play and work, balance of husband and family, children time, balance of yoga, balance of asana practice, pranayama, you know, different, different areas, but I've always been pretty, um, for lack of a better word, balanced as a yogi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, well, I yeah. love that you so said that think, you have to kind of come back to that and recheck every so often, whether it's three weeks, three months, three years, like you said, because balance is one of those things that as it slips away very gradually and incrementally, if you're not keeping your finger on the pulse, it's, it's, it can be easy to miss the mark and realize that things have gone off balance. So that's a, that's a smart kind of um, strategy to, to intentionally come back to that and, and revisit it and make sure that you're okay with where you are right now. Yeah. Definitely. I don't think anything's constant other than that one saying, you know, we can, we can count on that. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, definitely. I like to revisit when you think you have your, your mind on it, you know, something clears up a little bit and you're still not struggling, but still trying to figure it out. You know, crystal mm-hmm. clear is really hard to get. Well, here's one thing that I'm sure has changed quite a lot over the, the course of your practice and your journey through all of this yoga. Um, and that's the actual act of your practice. I mean, that's one thing that you've, we've talked about, you know, already with your intro is how to modify the postures and the sequencing for, um, for your practice when you're pregnant. So I'd love to hear a little bit about how you first got into yoga and then how your practice has evolved over time through these different phases of your life. Can you kind of walk us through that, that, um, evolution? Sure. So um, that's about uh, 13 years of an evolution. So yeah, uh, we'll we'll go through it briefly. These milestones. Um, my left quadricep tendon um, tore in 2004. Um, uh, I had been a competitive gymnast for several years, and um, after just many, many years of tumbling, uh, in, in gymnastics. Um, I just blew out both knees and, um, stopped doing gymnastics for a long, long time, started getting into triathlons. Um, all the while I was living in new Orleans. So swimming, running and biking in, in the new Orleans area. And then all of a sudden one day I got hit by a car and the affected knee, the, 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 the knee that always gave me a lot of trouble through gymnastics. Um, it got lodged between a dashboard and this, the little lever that you pull the seat up in the car. So um, I was actually on the way to a race, um, an adventure challenge race, where you had to have two partners, and I, we had to de-qualify ourselves, which was a huge bummer because our team had been training for so, so long. But nonetheless, um, after that car accident, I did tons of therapy, tons and tons of therapy, didn't work, so I ended up having a uh, what they call a lateral release, where your kneecap is it's shifted over to the side and they want to bring it back to the center. So I had a um, procedure done and about five weeks later, um, I did something that I thought I could do in my sleep, which is a cartwheel. And I pulled, um, the wrong area and popped my tendon. So, um, probably about 10 months after that, uh, living in new Orleans, um, hurricane Katrina 
not even 10 months. Let me go back, maybe like three, four months. Um, Hurricane Katrina happened and I was living in New Orleans. So it was disaster zone. And I knew in my mind and in my heart that I could not wait and sit and watch um, all of this stuff get cleaned out and drained and yada, yada. So I moved, I moved myself to Chicago. Um, I took everything that I could with long sleeves in the dark. So we had no electricity and moved myself to Chicago. And it was there that I found um, a Bikram yoga class that um, sitting in fixed firm, it was tears from my eyes and looking at my instructor, like, don't come over here. Don't come near my mat. This is the most that I can do. Don't tell me that I can get all the way down. But it was fixed firm that um, really drew me into the yoga practice. And it was an injury that brought me to yoga all the Years prior, I had been extremely active between cheerleading and track and gymnastics and a competitive swimmer. Um, so I was always in tune with my body. I was always, always interested in how I could get um, more, I guess, stronger, but also more advanced in whatever sport that I was competing in at the time, just always competitive. So um, having that injury, having Hurricane Katrina, I always believe in my heart, sometimes there's a disaster before there's a blessing you know, placed in front of you. Um, and one of those blessings was my husband bringing me to this yoga class. So another blessing. But um, so yeah, so that's how I got into the yoga. And um, I continued practicing yoga. Um, this was, let's say, catch you up to 2005 when Katrina happened and I moved to Chicago. Started practicing Bikram yoga in the Chicago area with, um, well, I won't say his name, but nonetheless, um, the owner of the studio planted the seed in me and was like, you'd be a great teacher. And I just laughed it off. I'm like, haha, I'll never be a teacher of yoga, but instantly was drawn to the practice and to the heat that I was so used to living in and the humidity in the New Orleans area. I really enjoyed the heat, um, helped to clear my mind. So it definitely started as a physical thing. And then, you know, as most yogis, it, it blossoms into much more of an emotional, spiritual connection kind of a thing. Um, so my husband and I, well, I, uh, my husband was like, yes, you should go to teacher training. I think it would be amazing. And you love this yoga. You do it every day like you brush your teeth, um, you need to go. So um, I did the training in 2008 in Acapulco. And um, as soon as I got back, started teaching full time. And as soon as I got back, I got engaged. Um, and we got married, we knew right away that we wanted to have children. And I got pregnant with twins. Um, so I had been practicing um, probably five or six times a week, and really, really, really into this advanced yoga class that was happening in the Virginia DC area. Uh -huh. um, Were so, you doing it once, once a week? Well, two, uh, for some reason, our studio back then in 2007, eight, nine, it was a big thing um, to do it on Wednesdays and on Sundays. And so okay. having no kids and just the bulldog, you know, um, I, I had time to go and do that. So I yeah, well, that's the thing. Back when yeah. that was like very, very pure in the practice and it was like you have to get permission to take that class and generally yeah. you had to take the beginner class before you could even do advanced. That's your whole day. Yeah, yeah, seven hours and you're on cloud nine when you come out. People didn't understand that kind of feeling. But, you know, why would you go and do that many hours of yoga? And you come out so much thirstier, you know, after an advanced class. Like you're drinking all day long trying not to rehydrate. But, um, yeah, not on the schedule. You have to get invited and um, – being in a room full of those higher up yogis is how I looked at it. I was like, this feels so good. And I'm, I'm so hooked. Um, 
But then I learned that I was, uh, my husband and I um, were pregnant with twins. And so that's when I was like, you know, I think I should probably stop the advanced practice. And looking on it now in hindsight, I probably could have kept going because my body was so used to it. But I, I didn't know any better. And so I thought, you know what, I'm just going to err on the side of caution. Yeah. Yeah. Sleep First with the time. And I'll be back and doing the advanced one day because I never lost sight of it. You know, I was always like, mm-hmm. I'm coming back. Um, and, uh, so yeah, so I started practicing the, uh, Rajashri, uh, modifications, which I learned from a, a, a DVD, <laughs> um, back when she had on like a unitard, you know, people uh-huh. didn't wear those kind of fun cool outfits. We should bring them back though. But anyway, um, how were you even aware that this, uh, the sequence existed? Did you learn about it in teacher training? I did not. Uh, you know what? It may have been like one minute of a teacher training. We didn't go deep into it. One of our instructors at the time, Dr. T, who um, he was more um, a body doctor or a body a body um, awareness person. He also talked a little bit about um, breastfeeding and yoga. And then even like he and his daughter made their own formula. I, I, I just loved him. He had so much to offer, but um, it was a little, I had a little bit of training, but I we had a DVD at my um, yoga school in Virginia. And so I, I asked, you know, to buy one and then just started watching it. And then it just, it became part of my lifestyle to know where the modifications needed to go so that I could get myself to the hot room and keep practicing with the other yogis. Um, so from studio to studio, if I were traveling or visiting, it's funny because some people were like, you need to practice in the back. You're pregnant. And I was like, yeah, not punished, but okay, I'll be in the back, you know? <laughs> and then other people would be like, oh, do you need the cold spot? Do you need to be by the door? You know, and people just didn't know. They didn't know how you do what you need to do. And I hope you don't need my help because I don't know anything. So it's kind of like pioneer, yeah. you know, in my area. Like, okay, I'm going to trust this process. Um, but um, yeah, so I did it through my multiple fetus pregnancy all the way until the end. I can remember when I was teaching in Capitol Hill, a few of my students would, would laugh at me and say, um, you know, we have three full rows of students. Please do not step over us and have your baby on us. And I'm like, I'm not going to have my baby <laughs> on, you know, you know I'm going to exit the room. And they're like, I can't believe you're still teaching and managing. And I'm like, guys, I'm not powerless. Like, I'm pregnant, you know, and, I, and I'm aware, but um, I can't have this yoga taken away from me. So, um, yeah, it's kind of funny, but, um, so practice through the twins. And as soon as the twins were born, um, I waited the six weeks as prescribed by the doctors. And as soon as I felt like, okay, this is good. I'm, I'm cleared laying on my front side. It's the best day was getting into Cobra post delivering twins and laying in Cobra. You know, it was kind of like the teacher was like, and change Jamie. And I'm like, nope, I'm going to hold here for another <laughs> minute because it feels amazing. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and so I, um, I did the same with my uh, singleton baby that came a few years later. Um, practiced the whole pregnancy, the Rajasri modifications. Um, I mean, we're talking like delivery Wednesday night. I went into labor and practiced Tuesday at four o'clock. You know, like literally right before. Yeah, and for yeah. My singleton. Well, at that at time, it's, it's like a breeze. You've already done it with with a two fetus pregnancy and yeah. your experience. Like this is nothing. I, it was it was no question of a doubt. Should I? Is this safe? It was absolutely one hundred and fifty percent. Yes, I'm going to keep practicing for mm-hmm. my pregnancies. Yeah, and then this most recent one, I I guess about two years ago, I just got hooked on inversions and 
um, handstanding and I knew I had done it several years back in gymnastics and I couldn't figure out what muscles I needed and how I could get it back. So once I got my handstands back, I was like, you know, I'm going to see if I can handstand through this whole 10 months. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and people were looking at me like, why would you do that? And I'm like, well, I just have a feeling my baby's going to like being on the upside down baby. <laughs> So, yeah, um, and then yeah. this baby is like born doing handstands. Yeah, yeah. She came out and was like, I don't feel right being right side up. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yes, I um, got into it from an accident and then um, circled back from having uh, loved it six, seven times a week practicing, got pregnant, kept practicing, and then back into motherhood, back into now, because uh, my newest baby, James, is a month and a week tomorrow, a month and two weeks tomorrow. Wait, yeah. And um, and so it's that evolution, that continuum that I want women to not lose focus and hope on and belief in that you can go from loving it to staying with it to changing body a little bit, mind a little bit, but not your life. And then getting back into it post-baby, back into motherhood and back into the beginner's Bikram class um, yeah. and not lose sight of that continuum. Well, you know, I took a couple things away from your story. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, first one is you didn't, you know, feel like you were regressing in your practice when you had to modify the postures. You you got excited about seeing something new as a challenge and what can I do with this new information to really feed my curiosity about all of the yoga? And I think that's so important. You know, not it's not always going to be a pregnancy. Sometimes it's an injury. Sometimes it's a change in you know, maybe your emotional makeup, whatever's going on in your life. But as long as you can stay excited about this process of learning and trying new things, I think that's where the sustainability of a practice really comes from. So I have to agree with you on your whole attitude about that. And then the second thing um, is I I couldn't help but notice that you kind of highlighted these moments along the way where people didn't really know what to do with you when you were pregnant (laughs) and just kind of like, okay, um, just, I'm going to back off and try not to do anything dangerous and let you be the person in charge. And I'm wondering, did that have anything to do with your decision to kind of move forward and and share what you learned with other women? Um, yes. Um, it's funny, one of your, well, many of your, of your interviewed, um, of your podcast, people that you've interviewed, I have, um, connected with, in different times of my life, kind of like when we started out, I revisit where my goal, where my path, where my dharma is. Um, but way back in, I guess, 2010 or 11, um, Hargobin and Sirium were opening um, Bikram Fairfax. And we waited, 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 waited for this amazing, beautiful studio to open. And right after it opened, I mean, everybody in my area had drank the water and we, there were, there were like five or six women pregnant. And Hardeman was like, you know, I really want you to lead a class for those that are interested in becoming pregnant or those that are currently pregnant. And I'm like, me? What? Uh, okay. And he's like, well, yeah, you've done it. Um, yeah. And this was before they had their baby and, and, um, and Syrium hadn't been pregnant yet. And I'm like, well, okay, let's do it. I'm not in, you know, kind of learn as you go. Um, and then, um, and then after that, another opportunity when I was teaching, um, for another studio, another Bikram studio, 
none, neither one of these carry the name uh, anymore, but it's a hot or, a, you know, whatever. But um, yeah. they also asked me to um, teach a, a hot yoga class for pregnant women, and there were 10. You know, it was like multiplying. I mean, that's just unusual, very rare to have that many people pregnant that practice Bikram and that were not either scared or a little bit on the fence. I mean, it was like, this is amazing. This feels so empowering for me and also to give back to these women that have questions and look to me like you've done it before. You may know not everything, but maybe you can get me an answer. You can go to the source, you know, and you can get, you get the answer if you don't know it yourself. So um, definitely a, a learn as you go experience because each pregnancy is so very different um, from, from each one. Just because you were this way does not mean that you're going to be the next, you know, the same way for the next pregnancy. Um, so having to teach five or six women and then again, 10 women a few years after that, um, it was amazing to just sit back and listen to each and every one of their stories um, from doctor's visit to delivery to getting back in post-delivery to breastfeeding to who am I going to go to my pediatrician, just like questions that kept people that were a little bit ahead of my pregnancy or a little bit behind my pregnancy got to listen in and know what was coming or to provide mm -hmm. information for those that they haven't reached that trimester yet. And it was just amazing to have, um, it's, it's a knit, you know, it's a, it's a, a like a, a small group, small subculture really of people that have answers for you. And so they've right. experienced it themselves. Um, so it was kind of like our, our little girl tribe, you know, we, we were able to keep information within these walls, but keep our practice going the whole time, which was really, um, instrumental, I think. For yeah. Me. Yeah. And did you find that, um, that the healthcare professionals that were also supporting all of these women and yourself, were, were they supportive of continuing the yoga practice or uh, hesitant uh, or a mix? It's a mix for sure. Um, when I had... When I lived in Virginia and decided to go to teacher training in Acapulco, I needed a medical clearance. Um, and I didn't have any doctor. I just had an OB. Um, thankfully, practicing you know yoga, I just stayed healthy other than my rehabilitating my knee. Well, my life had been pretty healthy, healthy. But I needed a clearance letter saying that I was in good health to go to this nine-week teacher training, and I had nobody else to reach out to but my OB. I thought, well, she's been seeing me for a year, and she knows my health, and she knows that I practice this Bikram, so I'm going to ask her, and she wrote the note. Well, after I got pregnant, I went back to her and said, you know, that teacher training that you signed me off on, um, I'm pregnant. Can I keep practicing my yoga? You know, and she's like, ooh, well... I don't know. You're going to have to just listen to your body. I'm not really sure how I feel about that. But this is when you're in a clinic, you have to see all five of the doctors. That way, the day that you're delivering, if it's not that doctor, you're not like, who is this person taking my baby? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and yeah, delivering yeah. my baby. I have a big surprise of that doctor's face. Um, but of the clinic of five doctors, only two were a little wishwashy. The other three were like, yeah, no, I don't think you should stop. I think you should keep practicing your yoga. Just take breaks, stay hydrated, um, leave the room if you need to. And I was like, yes, yes, I'm gonna side with these three, these other <laughs> yeah. two. One included who wrote my, my clearance and had known my health and my dedication to my practice. Um, but she straight up said, I don't know enough about it. Get me information. Right. So I was like, well, I'll get you the information. You can even come to my class, you know? Um, and check it out yourself so that you can also give people info. 
But um, then Amazing. when I, yeah, well, I mean, when I was pregnant with my, with my twins, I had to see a high risk doctor um, when you have multiples and my particular type of multiples, they were feeding from one fetus. Um, so at any point, one of the twins could steal more nutrients from the other twin and vice versa. And then one, one of the babies wouldn't make it perhaps. So every three weeks, we did an anatomy kind of check just to make sure each fetus was gaining and growing. And the high-risk doctor apparently goes to three more years of school. Um, and he was like, whatever you're doing, please keep doing it. And while you're at it, go down each one of these clinic doors, knock on the door, and tell them the practice that you've been doing. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow. And he's like, you're sitting here crisscross applesauce reading life. I'm like, well, what else am I supposed to do when I'm getting you know, monitored? Um, and he's like, and they're moaning. They're holding their back and they're leaning, hunch forward and this and that with their legs. And I just found it kind of funny. Like, well, I'm not going down there. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't want to subject like, myself to that. Yeah. I was sitting in Lotus and telling these people that, you know, so, um, but, um, so yeah, it was, definitely but, but you did, uh, I mean, you didn't did. go to those women, you, but you did not end those. up going yeah. and, and teaching all of these other women about what your experience was. Definitely those that came through the yoga doors. I did. I did. I, as much as I could. And if I didn't have an answer, um, I'd source it out. And, and sometimes the answer came back as we don't know. And then other times it came back as, okay, well, I really wasn't like hoping for those words, but thank you for getting the information, you know, just to provide, mm-hmm. to be a source. Felt good. Yeah. And, and that's a good distinction to make. I mean, you're not evangelizing yoga to every person you run across on the street. It's the people who come to you curious and, and looking for new information. So yeah, right. I, totally different situation. Um, Jamie, I, I want to hear about, um, because so much of what you said has, um, has painted a very positive picture for what this can do. And, and I believe you, you know, I'm following along with this and, and feeling very intrigued by it, but I also want to hear, you know, what's, what's the darker side of the picture. Did you run into any challenges when you tried to continue your practice? Did you ever get frustrated with yourself, internal, external resistance along the way? There, I think, um, is always a turning point. Um, in pregnancy where as soon as you start getting used to something, um, it changes a little bit. Or as soon as you wrap your head around accepting something about your body, um, something goes and changes in your pregnancy. So, for example, in the very, very beginning of your pregnancy, you're trying to figure out what prenatal vitamin I should have. And many people go through three, four, five ones, and they're still throwing up having morning sickness. And then they're finally like, ugh. I can settle on a Flintstones vitamin. It provides the same thing. Great. So then let's take that. And then as soon as you get used to your vitamin, all of a sudden, boom, you're in your first trimester finishing it up and you've got horrible sciatica. Um, And then you figure out where you need to lay and get comfort. Right. So it's constantly, constantly presenting obstacles. New fires to put out. Absolutely new fires to put out. So being able to just, um, let go of some of that control and rain, uh, letting the, you know, letting the reins go a little bit, not so, not so stiff, um, is probably key, right? You have to roll with the punches. Um, mm-hmm. and, um, for me, I think having had, having had a, a practice of six to seven times a week and an advanced practice, I, for my twins pregnancy, for one had to say, okay, well, I'm going to, you know, detach from my intermediate advanced practice and 
maybe slack and go down to like four times a week. So that in and of itself was like, okay, mentally I have to make this choice for myself that I'm no longer being selfish, that I have a living fetus inside of me and I now need to be a little less selfish in that I, I now need to take care of the baby and myself. Um, so stepping back and how many times that I practiced was pretty big for me. Mm -hmm. Um, but I had always been, um, a, a big advocate of backbending. And so when you cannot lay on your stomach and do bow or cobra or any of those belly down postures, there's another sense of stepping back and letting go and knowing that these postures aren't going one anywhere. They're ancient and you'll come back to them and reassuring myself that they, um, helped me so much. Um, pre-baby and they will help me again staying focused and knowing that they will help me post-baby as well and then having the alternative of flipping over onto your back and doing your fish and staying accountable um, that these postures are designed to keep bending uh, the way that the Bikram student on the other side of my mat is laying on their stomach doing their back bend but I'm laying on my back doing my back bends just in different variations um, mm -hmm. And then when you, um, I have had many women that have told me, I just need to sit out my first trimester. I'm a little worried that I'm going to lose the baby or I've had a miscarriage before, or I just, I'm not 150% like you are. I'm going to sit out and I'm going to come back in my second trimester. Um, for me in my first trimester, so much changed physically in the ligaments in the front of my body in my hips and my pelvis in my knees. Um, that if I were to sit out in the first three months, um, then I would have come back in the second trimester saying, whoa, this is such a huge change in my body. It doesn't feel right. This feels scary. I don't know why it feels so different. So for me, it was day to day, day to day, just telling myself, you know, these are, these are normal, lots of reading, lots of reading in journals, almost too much where it scares you to read too much about pregnancy stories. Mm -hmm. um, so to just stay on path and stay on course, knowing that, this feels right and I believe in it and I'm going to keep doing it. And yes, things are shifting and changing and stretching, um, but not going overboard, um, taking breaks, um, because I had been practicing for so long. I knew that balancing stick and triangle were my postures that just knocked the wind, you know, not just like sometimes little like starry eyed and tweet, tweet, tweets in my ears. So I knew when I got the balancing stick, why do I need to overexert and stretch my arms out as far as possible away from my heart when I can bring them in prayer at my chest and take a little intensity away from it, you know? And so it was making that choice to just step back and bring your hands back in the prayer and not all the way in front of you or in triangle, not to um, uh, go overboard and stretch the two arm shoulders in opposite directions when you can rest your right forearm on your thigh. I had never given myself permission to just slow down, step back, take it easy, honey. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, and, and to, um, take the pregnancy modifications while I'm being given them to sit down in separate, like head to knee to sit down and take a break and rabbit. Um, yeah. So for me, it was, um, just really ho holding myself accountable on those options. I have the option to do it harder, but step back and make the choice to be less selfish and to take those pregnancy modifications. Um, yeah. And, and to when you want to do the intense ones, make the choice to do that. Have it not be an assumption that you're just doing it because that's how you do it. That's you right. Know? 
And um, I think it all comes back to that same point that you made at the very beginning of our conversation. Like it's about checking in along the way. And if you just remove yourself from the entire situation, then that's when things slip away from you. And then you've gone too far and it's just, it's impossible. It's overwhelming, intimidating to get back in. If you stay along, keep checking in, you know, periodically, regularly, then every, all the change seems much more um, accommodating or accommodatable realistic yeah yeah i agree and i also it also reminded me when you just said like you're enjoying all these modifications like you have the option now use them i remember um i i met uh craig villani at benjamin sears's um retreat center lux yoga many years ago and Mm -hmm. he was talking about how when he learned the pregnancy series he was like oh i just want to do this all the time Yeah, it's funny that you say that. My mom enjoys doing only the pregnancy modification. And anytime she's visiting me from New Orleans, she's like, do you have that pregnancy class here? I was like, yes, but you're coming to the beginners. And are you pregnant? She's like, well, God, no. Well, then you can't practice the pregnancy. Well, why not? It's easier. I'm like, no, don't say that. It's not easier. You start carrying 30 to 45, 50 pounds and coming up in second set and third set off. And she's like, mm, you're right. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so – um. I want to kind of give you an opportunity to share a few tips for anyone who's listening who may be just getting, um, maybe just found out that they're pregnant or is planning on being pregnant soon. Um, what's a, a piece of advice or guidance? It doesn't necessarily need to be tactical. It can be whatever you feel like would be most helpful to someone like that right now. Um, I believe if you are practicing your uh, Bikram yoga in a hot, hot mat atmosphere, you know, the one in five, 40% humidity, um, and you have been for a while, a while meaning more than six months, you know, and I mean regular practice, uh, consistent practice, not like I go once a week and I only go to the 60-minute class. I'm talking like, yes, I can honestly say that I've been doing this practice. I practice four to five times a week. I practice for the last year, two years, six years, um, that you um, have to have a talk with your doctor and or doctors and tell them how much you believe in the practice, how much it has helped you mentally and emotionally and physically, and if someone took this away from you, that you're not quite sure what will happen. Um, And uh, continue. When you learn you become pregnant, some people want to wait until they clear that first trimester because they don't want to miscarry and have everyone ask them, How, how's the baby? How are you? How are you feeling? And you have to, you know, it's, it's embarrassing sometimes, although it's never, well, I won't say never, it's, it's very uh, seldomly anyone's fault when they lose the baby. Um, I hate to use the word never because never, you know, it's right. weird, but seldomly is it, is it the pregnant person's fault that they lost it? It was just a way in, in, in God's way to say it's not time yet and let's revisit this again and, and that waiting and hoping and going through all that process again is clearly part of the process and, and part of the life and part of the experience it makes mm-hmm. you who you are um, but um, if you've been practicing regularly to just have the talk with the doctor and let them know um, this is what I do I can show you some of the postures I know not to compress on my stomach I know to sit out I know to take more breaks. I know to come in extra hydrated. I'm counting the volume of waters. You know, I always say if you have one of those hydro flasks, um, 
you want to stay hydrated and you probably not want it hot. So if you like cold water, fill it up and count how many measures, how many volumes, how many times you're refilling it. And it's a great way to have doctor, this is what I've been drinking. I fill it up seven times a day or whatever. And that mm -hmm. way they see proof um, and keep practicing. Just start your modifications as soon as you can. It's not going to be a day where you're looking in the mirror and you're like, yes, today I look pregnant and today I will do the modifications. It's really... <laughs> A choice that you have to make with yourself and yeah. your fetus. Yes, today is my day one of flipping over and doing my pregnancy modifications. And I get it. Some people need to wait until they are announcing it and sharing it with the world. And so they prefer to wait for that first trimester clearance. And that's okay. It's still super small at that point where you, you, you can totally get away with laying on your stomach. Um, especially first time moms that are like, well, I don't know if I can even lay on my stomach. And you've only just conceived four days ago. It's like a zygote. It's like smaller than a toenail, you know, it's <laughs> like, yeah, so you can still lay down on your stomach. Um, but if you are in any gray area, ladies, it's not worth it. If you are 150% sure that you believe in this practice and you are a regular practitioner, keep going. Have the talk with your doctor and let them know. And if you feel like they're, you know, maybe persuading you, it's okay maybe to find another doctor. Um, there are doctors out there that believe in it. When I practiced um, with my twins, I met a lady that um, practiced Bikram yoga and she was an OB, but not mine. And she wanted to write a case study and a book and just write it on every time I ran into her, what I came up with on my pregnancy. What was the story of the day? What was the feeling in my back or my, uh, if I felt like my feet were getting fat or extra uh, veins were poking out, you know, that kind of a thing. She just wanted to kind of clinically write each day and have people believe in this practice because it serves so many of us. And um, I think I told you, Henry, I, um, I'm not sure if um, you were there for the talk that I led at the USA Yoga uh, competition this year, but someone once told me when you have a baby, you have to make room in your life for your baby, meaning don't go change your whole life around and rearrange everything for the baby. So if yoga is a part of your life pre-baby, then baby comes, yoga should still be a part of your life post-baby when baby's out um, because it made you happy, it made you believe in you, and it gives you so many other confidence and, and, and self-doubt uh, goes away and all these things that yoga provides for us. Um, so to keep going um, and always reach out to me if there's anything that I can assist with. Um, but you have to believe in it yourself. And if there is a gray area, then sure, sit out, come back when you can post-baby and don't lose sight of that. What I like so much about your advice there is that it's all kind of fueled by what we learn in the yoga practice. And it's like, this, it really comes back to accountability. You know, if you really want to continue the practice, then you need to come in to your doctor's office and, and make a case for it and, and, and show that you've done your homework. Like, yeah. you know, say how much water you're drinking. No, show them, you know, it's important to hydrate yourself. Show them the postures and, and show that you know that certain positions are, you know, more conducive to um, supporting the baby and some are, are less and, and you know how to modify. So all of that, I think this really smart advice and for anyone who's listening who's very committed to a specific sequence, you know, do the research. 
You know, I think this, the same thing can be said about whatever yoga you're practicing. You just have to look at it, use your critical thinking mind, and then have a, a, an informed conversation with a trusted physician. Absolutely. You have to hold your ground. Um, and that goes with, I think, any predicament in life. If you believe in it, um, do your research and stand your ground. You know, if you're going to walk the walk and talk the talk, then that's that's consistency and accountability and um, on a day-to-day basis, I have to do that with my kids. They'll catch, they'll catch me in something and they're like, you said, and I'm like, you're right. Yep. Um, what, what was it yesterday? My husband, I preach about Gatorade being an awful drink at soccer games. Like, why are we giving out Gatorade drinks to all? And then my daughter saw in the world cup or something. Yeah. Why, why are they giving dad? Why are they giving these players uh, Gatorade? Don't they know it's going to, and I'm like, uh Oh, you know, <laughs> Here it comes. She's been watching and listening to everything. She's eight, you know, and she's like, "Man, don't they know better?" And sugar drinks, it's just not good. And I'm thinking to myself, "Uh oh." <laughs> You're like, "Oh boy, she's she's coming out with the coconut water." Here we go. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, Jamie, what are you doing today apart from getting your message out on this podcast to live your dharma? Oh gosh, um, I believe my. Uh, yoga school in Evanston. My partner, Emily, and I um, have recently opened a yoga school. It's been open probably for about three or four months. And the cool thing about, um, you know, when you go to teacher training, I feel like maybe 80% of people want to become teachers and the other just want to gain confidence or improve their speaking uh, in, in presentation format in front of people or whatever reasons. But my uh, dream was always to open a school and I've managed three or four and taught at several. Um, and when this opportunity came, I thought, grab it, because if you don't grab it, then it's things don't fall from the sky. You got to grab it. So um, when it became available, the pre- the previous owner had built up this amazing, amazing, amazing 10 year of discipline um, in a basement. And um, Evanston's a really cool city. Um, the closest uh, city to, to Chicago, let's say. So almost downtown, but not quite downtown in Chicago. And um, he decided he had reached his tenure and needed to let it go. But before he let it go, he would want to sit down with my partner, Emily, and I and just discuss. And he said he only needed to take one practice with us to see that we loved the yoga. Our discipline was there and he could see it and feel it just taking a class with us. So it, he felt inclined to just hand over the key. It was turnkey op. Just here you go. Here are my students. And here's the key. Not, not take your class, but take a class with you as just a student. Together. Right? Yeah. Like take yeah. a class together. That's and, cool. Um, I love that. Yeah. It was really cool. Uh, and, and he didn't have to say a word, you know, mm-hmm. but he had um, very uniquely, he's a music um, by heart, a, a professional musician by heart. And he decided in order to keep his studio alive for the last two or three years that he owned it in Evanston, he was going to make a recording and not just talking the the cues and the, and the and the dialogue into a microphone, but adding chimes and gongs and birds and waterfalls. And it was very, very meticulously uh, scaled. Mm-hmm. And um, he had run out a lot of business this way. People wanted interaction. They wanted the body, the teacher to see the bodies and the, the bodies to, to, to be seen by the teacher and to create the dialogue that is and the energy in the room that the Bikram class was designed uh, to be. And um, when we took over this studio, he lost a bunch of those people. So when Emily and I took over, um, uniquely 
we had to figure out how to get those people back. Here we are bringing back a person, a body, a, a guy or a girl on a podium with the microphone and leading this class. And we know you loved it before, but we wanted another shot at it. So we fished out a lot of these people that left and, and reeled them back in because it was uniquely the Beaker method. You know, the mm -hmm. same 26 postures and the two breathing exercises in the prescribed amount of heat for the prescribed 90 minutes. And so having, let's say minds that have been shifted. I don't like this practice because I, they associated it with this man that did the, the, the audio class. We had to erase that and start and start fresh. Mm -hmm. You know, you like the practice, please come back and try it. New owners, new name, new colors on the wall, some new plants, but the same yoga, it's the same sequence. So my Dharma now is to see these faces of students that are either still with us or that we had to go fish back and, 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 and still build upon those students to, to keep, to keep the, the yoga school thriving. Um, and it's very new and we're still, you know, kind of cultivating that it, it's not um, nurtured fully. It's just brand new three, four months that we've been open. So I feel like seeing the community come together, the connectivity that these students have seen each other from a long, long time ago. Oh, I used to see you practicing with me seven, eight, nine, ten years ago. It's nice to see you again. And then building a buzz and an energy with, within our yoga school in this basement. Um, it, it feels amazing to see people's faces light up and they're like, I forgot about this practice. And I'm really glad that you guys took over. Um, so that feels really good. Um, I feel like... Um, my personal practice has always been um, my own, but when people say to me, I love the next chapter in your life, you had a baby, but yet you're coming back, or you, you never stopped doing your handstands, or you never stopped believing and, and walking the walk and talking the talk of the yoga, this is empowering, this is inspiring. So my dharma, I think, is to continue inspiring others um, by being me in, in my love for the yoga and empowering others. Um, without sounding too boastful, I, I feel like that that's, that's my, my, no, my I, natural I, ability. I don't think that's boastful at all. And I actually really, really love that because sometimes people, um, really overthink this stuff, you know, your, your role in this world. I, I keep coming back to this in, in my meditation is just, it's just to be you because you're the only person who's uniquely qualified to do that. And different people connect to different people. There's 7 billion people, you know, <laughs> approaching on eight probably by now. And, you know, community is, is just everything. And I, I appreciate all the work that you're doing to rebuild, newly build this community in Evanston, I think is so powerful and yeah, not boastful at all. Well, thanks for saying so. Yeah. yeah. It, it's a, a different mindset. I think if you, um, are just the yoga student and sometimes not a yoga teacher, or if you're a yoga teacher, yoga student and yoga school owner. Um, and so that's why I guess, um, different phases and chapters of your life, you have to step back look at what you've done and re remind yourself that um, all of those dots that have now been connected in a line served a purpose. I believe in mm -hmm. fate. There's a reason for all of these things that have happened, any setback, any obstacle, um, they, they are milestones. And um, I needed all of those things to happen in my life before my yoga school could be presented in my life. I needed all of those um, management 
positions in yoga schools mm-hmm. or teaching at different, you know, you, you have this like little jewelry box and it's like, this idea didn't work. Don't put it in your box. This idea worked, put it in that little box. And then later you open this box and it's like, here's all those things that I said I was going to do and, tr- and, and, and use on a day-to-day basis and put into my life and put into my practice and make this habitual. Um, and then it's kind of cool to, to see, you know, how it turns out. <laughs> yeah, to, to accessorize with the full set. Yeah, yeah, and acceptance. Like, okay, well, I tried it, and I said I would try it, but sometimes that acceptance is, is just the growth step, you know? It's not the best yep. thing that you, you made that choice, but you, you have to move on and roll with the punches. Jamie, the last thing that we do on this podcast with every episode is something I like to call the prana round. (laughs) And in this little sequence, I'm going to ask you uh, six rapid fire questions and ask you to answer in minimum one word, maximum one sentence. Does that make sense? Okay. Okay. Let's do it. First question in one word, why do you practice yoga? Balance. What's your favorite yoga pose and why? Scorpion any form because it requires like most postures, a hundred percent presence, a dristi, a a focal gaze, like no other, um, which goes back to, I guess, a hundred percent presence, um, flexibility and and strength. Um, Mm -hmm. so everything that the body can handle at one time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I yeah. love the scorpions too. They really check off all the boxes. Yeah. <laughs> What's the single best cue or piece of advice you've ever received from a yoga teacher? Ooh. Um, hmm. I guess there's, there's, there's two. Do I need to pick I'll take one? two. I'll I'll take two. Okay. So, um, one was at teacher training. Um, a staff member, teacher, school owner told me, do you want to be perfect or do you want to be a yoga teacher? And I was learning my dialogue and I was beating myself up about the a, ands, buts, does, little small words, prepositions. And she's told me that. And I looked at her and I said, well, I want to be both. And she said, <laughs> and I said, yeah. I'm going to go with the yoga teacher. She goes, then shake my hand and let's move on. You've got to get yeah. past those little small things. And I was like, mm. Wee! the light bulb thank you yes. so much done is pick. better than perfect she made me pick you know and so now it's like well i don't even use the word perfect i tell my kids all the time let's just work with progress you know progress from last week progress from last time um and then the second one would be you know someone shared with me i need you to teach um differently than you practice and i was like what well why wouldn't i give everyone all the tips that i and they're like sometimes you have to fail to learn don't give them all the tips. Just give them your skillful wording and articulation and just give them the dialogue. Give them the, the class. Don't give them everything of how you practice. I was like, why? And I'm like, well, maybe like 20% of the community practices the way you practice. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. And if you flood with too much information, nothing lands. That's, that's other, right. That's the other that's part right. of it. So letting them fail, letting them fudge, fudge the grip a little bit and fumble out of certain postures, but they're going to want it more. Recommend one book, either modern or ancient, for our audience. Oh, okay. So um, my um, newborn daughter is taking a lot of my time. Um, but when I wake up in the morning or if I hadn't had a chance in the morning, I'll do it at night. But I'm really into... Um, 
a book of mantras. Um, when I am nursing, I can maybe get into a, a, a an affirmation or a hand gesture. So um, there is a book of mantras. And then uh, lately, the book of awakening, it's by Mark Nepo, and it's um, an affirmation book. So having the life that you want and being present um, to the life that you have. Okay. Is the book of mantras, is that the title? The name of it, oh God, it's a woman, her name, let's see, it's Healing. It's actually called Healing Mudras, Yoga for Your Hands, and Sabrina Mesco. Um, oh, Sabrina I, Mesco I know is, that book. Yeah. Do you? I've seen that one. Yeah, I have not yeah. read it. I, I recognize the title though. Lots of cool stuff, chakra in, included. Um, mm. Yeah, so when you're limited to, to the physical asana practice, um, there, there's other forms of, of yoga. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Is yoga for everyone? Yes. Yeah. I had a feeling that would be yes. your answer. Yes, you did. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, Last yes. question. Last question is how can our audience get in touch with you and how can we support you in your Dharma? Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you. Um, it's a reciprocation. So, um, I love that we can support each other. And, um, I think one of the things that you mentioned, um, in, in your first Dharma talk was um, the power of, of technology and how we can connect because as scary as it is, people are so disconnected and even the touch, you know, the nurturing touch from one hand to one shoulder or the pat on the back, it's just, it feels like it's, it's diminishing and it's so sad because we have electronics and technology and it's, it's nice to be able to connect with someone by screen, by voice, um, but also in person and in, in touching, you know, handshaking and whatnot. Um, so technology is amazing. And I would, I would greatly love to stay connected with everyone either through my Instagram. I'm at hot yoga mama. Um, so mama, M A M M A <laughs> hot yoga mama. Um, Three on Instagram. M's. Yeah. M A M M A. And then additionally, if you're ever in the Chicagoland area, come visit sweat junkie. Uh, so S W E A T sweat, not sweet. Junkie, mm -hmm. J-U-N-K-I-E, and we are a fitness um, school. We have hot yoga, hot bar, hot Pilates, and um, some really cool um, holistic. Uh, we have a massage therapist in-house as well as a fitness nutrition specialist in-house because we believe oh, nice. that it's through all, all around, not just in the hot room doing your fitness, but outside of the hot room, you have to hold yourself accountable with your, with your clean eats. You got to eat clean, um, and, and, and think clean thoughts, you know, positivity all around you all day. Um, and being able to separate yourself from the dark mm -hmm. and the, the, the sticky and the negative and, you know, drama, all that. Um, yeah. so yeah. Thoughts yeah, so are not free. <laughs> no, you know, it's like you can step away. I learned that at training. If someone's drama ridden and I can't learn this dialogue and I, I, I'm five postures behind where I need to be before I deliver, it was like quickly take three steps back and leave that leave that zone, you know, and, and you have to do that. You have to figure that out. But trial and error, right? Mm-hmm. Jamie, thank you so much for sharing your intelligence and wisdom and experience with all of this, with your yoga teaching and practicing through pregnancy. I've learned so much. I know that um, our listeners will learn a lot too. Kent, thank you enough. Really appreciate you coming on Dharma Talk. Thank you so much for this opportunity and this platform. Keep going. I love what you do. 
you got something out of this episode, if you like Dharma Talk and want to keep it going, please do me a huge favor and subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. I know it's not the most convenient thing to do, but it makes all the difference in getting the show out there and more visible to other people who can benefit from it. And hey, if you've got feedback or ideas or you want to get in touch with me, you can do that on Instagram at Henry Wins. Otherwise, I'll talk to you next week. And until then, keep living your dharma.